0: Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name. They're always giving back, making a difference, going that extra mile to support us and our community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless simple Tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community, because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to Civilized Barking, where we talk Cleveland Browns generally twice a week. I'm Zach Jackson. Flying solo for the first part of this. Uh, We'll bring in my colleague John Machota down in Dallas to talk Sunday's big game. First, let's start there. Um, It's nice for the Browns to have big games. Um, You know, we'll see what happens, but go big picture here. Even though it's too early to either crown or write off anyone, to jump to any conclusions, um, the Browns' schedule gets really bad. Um, the Browns have an offense good enough to play with almost anybody. What happens with this Browns defense? I don't know. The Browns defensive line is great. The rest of the defense, we'll see. Anyway, uh, you're 2-1 and one for the first time since 2011. Haven't been 3-1 since 2001. Have a winning record this week for the first time at any time since 2014. If you're listening, you probably know that. It's cringeworthy. It's been awful. Um, we'll see what happens. But if you can win this game, outlooks change careers change maybe we'll see and you know even that year they were three and one was way back that was butch davis's first year that they ended seven and nine it's a long 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 way to december uh and to january i think this season finale is in january and you play the steelers and again we'll see in a couple of weeks the steelers but if the browns could get to three and one it would rev up everything on the excitement level uh the legitimacy level all of that and we'll see um Get to a couple game-specific things here in a minute. I just want to say like Nick Chubb is really good at football. He is the Browns' best player. Kudos to the Browns and not taking anything away from the likes of Miles Garrett and the other guys. Kudos to the Browns for putting better players around him. Um, This guy just continues to produce at a high level. I was driving this morning, had somewhere to go, listened to one radio show, one podcast, um, got home, Started a work, got on the Zoom, listened to Nick Chubb field questions about comparing himself to Ezekiel Elliott. Do you feel like this is a stage for uh, you to show you're one of the best backs in the league? And Nick doesn't go there, that's not Nick, and that's fine. Um, The truth is he is one of the best backs in the league. And to get into any of that comparison and all that stuff is silly because you don't ever win those arguments. It doesn't matter. It's about fitting the offense, making the plays, you know, when you get the opportunities. This guy's – blend of speed power vision i mean he is so strong he gets going downhill he will run away from you he will hurt you more than your feelings uh we saw it last week on that run he can spin he can dip the shoulder he sees the field he will have a beautiful two-yard run that should have been a one-yard loss and if you let him get to 8 10 12 and into the second third level of the defense um He will punish your guys and he will run by most of them too. So he's just a lot of fun to watch play football. Um, I have up this week's news release since entering the league in 2018, Chubb ranks third in the NFL with 75 rushes for 10 plus yards. Um, This season, first in the league with five carries for 20 or more yards. I mean, the guy's 230 pounds Uh, first with um, 12 carries for 10 or more yards. You know, Chubb's 12 carries of 10-plus yards are just as much, if not more, than 23 teams have this year. Uh, Last week's game was his 13th 100-yard performance. A couple things on that. One, he only got 19 carries. He scored two touchdowns. He was the dagger for the Browns. Um, Keeping him fresh for the long haul is obviously a big deal. You're going to have to pay this guy eventually, and I don't say have to in a negative way. I mean, you just do it. He's he's a perfect prospect. He's a perfect kid. He's a great football player. But when you think about 13 100-yard games in his career, three games into his, his third season here, guys, um, for the first six games, you know, they wouldn't give him the ball. John Dorsey had to trade the starting running back. Carlos Hyde, who's, who's had a nice enough NFL career, uh, but isn't an elite player or even probably a good one, right, just to get him on the field. That was only 23 months ago. Um, so, again, you know, things work in your favor. And the Patriots took Sony Michelle for some ungodly reason. You know, the, the draft broke as it did. The Seahawks took Rashad Penny for some ungodly reason. You know, if Nick Chubb doesn't get hurt his sophomore year at Georgia, he's a top ten pick. He's the number one. I mean, what you see here is just a freak's freak and um, just a treat to watch play. You know, from what I do, I, I wish – He had more of a personality. I wish he wanted to talk about himself and boast and talk crap to other people. He doesn't. He just wants to play. He's really fun to watch do that. Um, Going to Sunday. You know, the Cowboys are one and two. Uh, I believe that, that puts them in first place in their own division. They've played three wild, wild games. They had some things not go their way. They lose the opener to the Rams. They give up 39 and should have been dead before Atlanta pulls in Atlanta in week 2 the Cowboys win. Then last week they let Russ run wild, well actually throw wild on them. Russ Wilson throws five touchdowns. Dak throws for 422 yards last week, I think. No, uh, 472 yards, excuse me. And the Cowboys lose the game. Give up big play after big play. So uh what we got Sunday at Jerry World is two really good offenses, two defenses that have questions. Uh, They need their defensive lines to deliver. We know the Browns, you know, not just Miles Garrett, and should get Vernon back for this week. But quick shout-out to Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson, both of whom have been awesome this year. The Cowboys, they have Alden Smith. Hasn't played in the NFL in a long time. He's leading the league in sacks. Um, Jidrick Wills is off to a really strong start and I think is eventually going to be a great player. This is a tough matchup for a rookie, so... Um, what this comes down to, guys, is is the Browns, you know, getting the run game going so they can throw how they have, which is only when they want to, you know, not when they need to, so they can use both backs, so they can um, kind of win the time of possession, you know, let Baker be efficient and let Chubb and Hunt just eat. So if they can do that and keep keep the guys at bay, we'll see. They're going to need a tackle. Uh, we've seen formula from opposing offenses, which is use the misdirection and use the short stuff, not only to keep that Browns defensive line at bay, but to make the other guys tackle, make them make plays. So uh, as we record this Wednesday afternoon, Denzel Ward did not practice. You know, obviously super alarming um, that he missed practice last week, was added to the injury report, then only played a half, didn't finish the game, and then didn't come out and practice. So we'll see. Um, You know, no indication that it's major, but the Browns need Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward needs to play for a lot of reasons. Should get Greedy Williams back. Obviously, if you have Denzel and Greedy, you know, um, that allows you some more flexibility, more talent to cover these receivers. Ideally, you'd have Kevin Johnson play in the slot. We'll see how that goes. But against Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson comes out of nowhere, scores two touchdowns last week. Uh, We haven't even mentioned Zeke Elliott. Dak can run. He can throw. He can bootleg. He can play action. He can do it all. They haven't had their left tackle, Tyron Smith, who's one of the best there is. Um, He did not practice Wednesday, but we'll see how that goes. So, again, a a tremendous challenge for both defenses, really, but specifically for the Browns. You know, go on the road and and win this game and show you belong. So um, you're going to have to earn it in this league. You know, the last two are ones that all of us circled months ago and said the Browns should win, they have to win. This is one you circle and say – You know, they're up against it. So now all of a sudden you're looking at a quarter of the stadium being full. You're looking at Dallas having some real vulnerabilities, specifically on defense. Brown's team with some momentum. Uh, Again, you know, this is not anybody's Super Bowl. This is not make or break anything. We're we're evaluating. The Browns are evaluating lots of things. They're still growing together. But if they could get this one, a lot of attitudes and outlooks would change. Uh, I think they can. I, I can't sit here and pick them to win. But I think there's a chance they go down there with a really good game plan. They execute it. Um, comes down to blocking and tackling, and if they do that, gives themselves a chance. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it, it's fun to think about being able to look at play the schedule game for down the road. Being able to look at the standings and say the Browns can catch this team. They can't catch this team. They match up well with this team. They don't match up well with this team. They'll be a nightmare to tackle, and they're going to be a nightmare for almost anybody to tackle. I don't know. Maybe Pittsburgh's the exception there. We'll find that out in a couple weeks. Uh, For now, we're focused on Dallas, and uh, let's, matter of fact, go there right now, um, dial up my colleague in Dallas, John Machado. And now a word from our sponsors. This football season is different. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you're watching. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? All right. As promised, we go to Dallas as the Browns will on Sunday. My guest now is my colleague at the athletic Dallas. He is John Machota. John, thanks for joining me.
1: No problem. Good to talk to you.
0: Yeah. Um, this is an interesting game for many, many reasons. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to watch probably eight or 10 of the Cowboys, 12 quarters. Um, never a dull moment, never a dull drive, obviously. You know, the number that jumps off the page, even for anyone doing three minutes of of research into this game, is Dak Prescott 922 yards in two games. Um, You know, history says you can't keep up this pace, but given the talent around him and given the Browns defense, I mean, might he keep it up for at least one more Sunday?
1: It's possible. I will say that there, <laughs> there's one particular player over on the Browns defense that is just going to strike fear into all Cowboys fans, and even though Miles Garrett grew up just down the street from AT&T Stadium, it's not him. It's Adrian Claiborne because of what he did against the Cowboys when he was with Atlanta in 2017, and he had six sacks because they didn't adjust properly to not having Tyron Smith, and so they went with Chaz Green as their left tackle, and it was a disaster. And so that was a new different coaching, you know, regime. There's a new coach in there right now. Um, but that is going to be a popular storyline, at least amongst Cowboys fans. is just because of the fact that what he did, I mean, he like had like the, just almost had the NFL single game record. I think he was one off of what Derek Thomas's record. I mean, Cowboys fans do not forget that. That is their biggest nightmare. I feel like of the last probably four or five years in terms of just like an individual regular season game. And so, um, Yeah, the Cowboys. It's interesting because they're not. They're obviously very explosive on offense, and and they can score points with just about anyone in the league. The problem is they can't stop anybody. And you know, I know Baker hasn't thrown for over 300 yards since you know last season. I think it was like week 11 or 12. I looked it up, and uh, I would say right now, I predict he throws for over 300 yards against his defense. I don't know that the Browns win but I, I think this is going to be a game where he's going to look good against the secondary. I think he's going to challenge this secondary, you know, with with Landry and Odell just because they just haven't been good on the back end. I mean, the big plays have been there. That's the one major difference even though it's only been 3 games with Mike McCarthy. That has been the biggest difference we've seen from the Jason Garrett eras. The Jason Garrett teams, you could dink and dunk on them and put together long drives, but they would not they wouldn't give up the the huge plays and if they did it was very rare. This defense, I mean, there's just been guys running wide open against this secondary, just, I mean, missed assignments, things like that. They're, clearly, their changeover to the new defensive scheme under new defensive coordinator Mike Nolan, um, that's the part right there that that's where COVID is really hurting them, where they didn't get that offseason with the extra time to work with the new coaching staff. They didn't even have OTAs, obviously, mini camp and all that, and then no training camp and no preseason games their defense, it's going to take a while before them to get to a level where, you know, the the Cowboys can consistently compete with some of the best teams in the league.
0: Well, we certainly know that up here because the Browns change coaches and coordinators every single year. Um, So they're kind of going through that too. Um, I was about to go to the defense. So you mentioned the assignments, you know, they've obviously they've played some good quarterbacks and good talent too. So what is the one thing that sticks out, Um, you know, maybe is most pressing or or even most fixable uh,
1: for that defense, you know, headed to this week? I'd say the most fixable thing is that they've gotten they got decent pass rush against Russell Wilson, but I think that'll improve because you know Demarcus Lawrence hasn't had a sack yet, but I mean the pressures are there and he and he's been a really good run defender. He's been dealing with a knee injury. He didn't practice today, but I, I anticipate him playing in that game. And then they they added Everson Griffin late, free agency ad. and so he too. I mean he's a good example too of, of it just. If they would have had a preseason and a normal training camp, I think he'd be a little bit more caught up than what he is. And so he's kind of just feeling his way out now. This is the first time in the last 10 years he was with the Vikings. And so this is the first time he's with a new team. You can tell that he's not quite there yet, but it's coming. And then the same thing with the fact is that Randy Gregory uh, is a guy that in a few weeks he'll be able to return. So the pass rush is there because on top of that, then you have the NFL sacks leader and Alden Smith who... It, it absolutely makes no sense that he took four years off of football and has just played the way he has r- right off the bat. So that I see improving. The back end, I just don't know that they even have the players to have significant improvement from now until the end of the season. Like Trayvon Diggs, their second-round pick, they hit on that. That was a great pick. Like Trayvon Diggs is going to be a very good corner in the NFL for a long time. I mean, he's already gotten in there and shown glimpses of, you know, they, they're they going to have themselves a shutdown corner in the future. But at, at, at the same time, he's a rookie he's a rookie corner. Like you're going to put him up against Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Like it's not the greatest matchup you have there. And it just, I mean, if you, if you follow the Cowboys, the secondary has been the spot where they've put the least amount of investments, whether it's really the draft or free agency. And so, you know, that you're basically, you reap what you sow, you know, you have a really good offense because that's where you're putting all your investments at. And so the defense has been behind and, you know they need that secondary to play better. I just don't know how much better that with the personnel they have they can be between now and in the end of the season.
0: Uh, do you expect Tyron Smith to be there to go against Miles Garrett?
1: You know I do. And, and and today was the first practice that I've seen him out in over a week. Well, actually, almost two weeks because we've seen him at practice and he's been doing like conditioning stuff off to the side. But today was the first time we actually saw him in you know a helmet and a jersey and actually working on individual drills. Now technically. He was listed on the injury report as did not practice, but we actually got to see him go through some individual drills. And so that has been a lot more than we've seen up until this point since he suffered the neck issue that set him back and, and, uh, and sidelined him. So I think there's a good chance he plays in this game. And, and, and that's obviously a great sign because this it's been a patchwork offensive line. They haven't had their, their two starting offensive tackles, uh, for a single game yet this year. Um, and so that, that, you know, for the longest time, that's been the M.O. of the Cowboys. They all, you know, one of the best offensive lines in football. They run the ball with Zeke, you know, yada, yada, yada. But they really haven't had that that stability up front. You know, you lose Travis Frederick to retirement and then you don't have a high, healthy Lyle Collins at all this season. And then Tyron Smith's banged up early in the season. I mean, it's just really it's, it's, it's a lot of moving pieces there. It's actually surprising they've had the success in offense they've had despite that offensive line having to constantly move in new pieces.
0: Right. I mean, it's too early John in the season to jump to conclusions as far as <laughs> metrics stand even standings. I mean, you are what your record says you are, right? But I mean, it really feels like um you know, this Cowboys team, we all know the talents there. Uh they've only won once. It really feels like they're a handful of plays from 3 and 0, but also like one melt epic
1: meltdown from being 0 and 3. Is, is that is that a fair? Absolutely, that's fair. That's exactly what this team has been, you know. And and that's the thing like you know fans and then even, you know, writers like myself, we, you know, we're comparing it to what we saw for a decade at Jason Garrett. And it's not really fair to do that just because again, the, usually new coaches get an extra off season, extra time in the off season as obviously you guys, you know, and and not to have that off season. It just, it, it set. It's, I believe. And I think a lot of these coaches would say it sets those teams back like the Browns, like the Cowboys, far more than any of the, I mean, you, you saw the saints, You know, Sean Payton was like, no, we're not even going to worry about having guys at the facility show up when training camp starts. Like, you can do that because Sean Payton's been there forever. You know, It, it, it takes time to have a new coaching staff come in there. The one thing that's helped the Cowboys in offense is that Mike McCarthy kept their offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore on staff. So while they're not doing everything exactly the same as they've done in years past. They're they're at least able to build on something that they have there, and obviously they add in a, in a rookie like CeeDee Lamb, and he's hit the ground running. So there's a new piece there, but for the most part, at least there's continuity there. On defense, it's completely different. They're doing three, four looks, which doesn't fit Everson Griffin, doesn't fit DeMarcus Lawrence, and then on the back end, you know the 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 big knock on the on the Cowboys secondary was not only did they not get turnovers, but they're real vanilla on the back end, predictable, and now they've gone to they switch it up a lot more. They'll, they'll switch from man to zone coverage on the back end. And you can tell the guys aren't completely acclimated to knowing exactly where they need to be at all times. And so when you have a good quarterback that can just, you know, all it takes is one or two times for you to be off and that's seven. And, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a hole, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This easily could be an and three team, but technically they could, they could possibly be three and 0 right now too. Um, can they tackle Nick Chubb and might they sell out to do so? It's going to be interesting to see that because, you know, Leighton Vanderesh is, is who I think is their best linebacker. He's not going to be playing in this game. He's out for a while now. So you got Jalen Smith and Joe Thomas and, uh, you know, Jalen Smith has had some flashes where, you know, I mean, made, made the pro bowl this past year and, you know, Jalen's a guy that would have been a top five, top 10 pick coming out of the draft in 2016, if not for, you know, his horrific knee injury that he had, uh, at the end of in his final college game in the Fiesta bowl against Ohio state. And, so it took him a while to get back, and, and he's gotten back, but he's not all he's he's not exactly the same dynamic player he was at Notre Dame. He does a lot of things very well, um, and and one of the things is coming up in the box and making tackles. It's when he's moving sideline to sideline and in pass coverage is where you uh, he can kind of be exposed at times. But running downhill, he is a sure sure-handed tackler. I mean, he can he can make plays. Uh, you know, they got two solid defensive tackles and Tristan in Hill that, and Don Terry Poe that play a lot. So they should be at least solid against Nick Chubb. But, I mean, I've seen Nick Chubb play. I mean, he's he makes a lot of people look silly. So I can't sit here and say that, you know, they're just going to shut it down. I, this isn't a defense that, you know, you're going to say, oh, they, they absolutely, they start with stopping the run, and then you might get some pass yards against them. No, you can probably run on them pretty decently right now too. So uh, I, I'll say this from from your guys' perspective. If the Browns don't have success – on offense, even though it's a road game, you know, there's reason for concern. They should be able to have – again, like I don't know that that guarantees they'll win the game, but I think they should be able to put up yards running the ball and throwing.
0: So, John, the line is four and a half, which sounds about right to me. Um, The total is 55 or, or maybe even higher in some spots as I glanced this afternoon. You know the Browns have never played a game with a total that high. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So the Cowboys play every week, but this is the highest total the Browns have ever played. And I mean, I I look at it and and I I think in many ways, these teams are mirrors of one another. Obviously they're, they're better in some areas and weaker in others, but I mean, you just have loaded offenses and you have really shaky defenses, not only from personnel standpoint, but just learning. And, um, I will not be surprised if it takes 31 or more to win this game.
1: I, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think it does. Uh, uh, if this game was in Cleveland, um, I'd feel, I'd be feeling pretty strongly that that the that the Browns would win. Um, it's just with them playing in in Arlington and coming off of the game they just had, and I really do get the sense from the players we do get a chance to talk to that you know they feel like they should be more than what their record says they are right now. Like they they do feel like especially on offense that you know, that they have a chance to be one of the better teams in the NFC. And so I think you're going to see a motivated bunch. And and an interesting aspect of this, too, is that so this will be the Cowboys' second home game. And in their first one two weeks ago, they had a little over 21,000 fans there. And judging by what Jerry Jones said on the radio uh, yesterday morning, the expectation is to have more in this game. So is that 25,000? Is that 30,000? And the only reason I bring that up is because, I do think it was somewhat of a factor in that in that comeback against the Falcons. I mean, I, for a stadium that can hold up to 100,000, a little over 100,000 with standing room only, I mean, even 21,000, like, it got pretty loud in there at times. And, and when you compare it to what, you know, some of these other road environments are, obviously we I not have any fans in the stands. Like, I do think that that can help to a certain extent. And what else is interesting is that Mike McCarthy has never lost at AT AT&T stadium. I mean, he's, he was the Cowboys kryptonite. He was the Packers coach. He won, obviously the Super Bowl with the Packers was played in that building. And really by all, by everything I saw early on, they, they should have got the doors blown off by the Falcons, but the Falcons let them hang around. So somehow Mike McCarthy just continues to find ways to win at AT AT&T stadium. So, with all that mixed in there, that just little things to keep an eye on in this one.
0: Yeah. So the Browns only previous road game uh, was zero fans in Baltimore. Now they had zero chance to win that game, regardless of where it was played, (laughs) considering it was week one and all that was new, but um, that is a potential element. I mean, I kind of look at it like this, like they're probably going to have to throw unless Chubb just goes crazy. Um, You know, they should be much more comfortable doing it. And then the first, in the last two weeks in the first half specifically, I think Kevin Stefanski has probably thrown more than he even needs to, uh, you know, to kind of open things up. And you tell me about the, this Cowboys having issues in the secondary personnel and alignment wise. Um, The Cowboys have seen Odell Beckham go nuts on him before. So maybe we see
1: it again on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely possible. Uh, You know, if, especially, especially this, this past game, if, you know, it's Russell Wilson, if he's just throwing some dimes and, and you're in good position, Hey, you know, you tip your cap to him. He was just thrown to some wide open wide receivers. And I'm not saying it was every play. I mean, there was definitely times where the secondary held up and even led to a couple of coverage sacks. So it's not like it's awful all game. But the thing is is that, you know, I mean, with the way the NFL is, if if you can just find two or three times in a game where the defense misplays something and there's just a guy running wide open. I mean, we saw it in the Falcons game too. You know, that's not good. You know, that that's that's how these games get out of hand early. And and that's the thing that you that you are concerned about when you have big play wide receivers. Cause frankly, I mean, from afar, you know, I don't study much of the Browns just because the Cowboys rarely play them, but right. you know, on paper, I mean, there's a lot of talent there. And so it's certainly not some team that you can sleep on and think, Oh yeah, you know, we'll just show up and uh, you know, whatever it's the typical old Browns or something like that. I mean, they have weapons there that can, that can really exploit a defense. That's not, not communicating. I mean, Mike Nolan said that the, the big problem was just guys didn't have their eyes in the right spots, things like that. So, I'm interested to see what this defense looks like against against the Browns in this game. If if they pare things down even more, they they maybe they go a little bit, you know, more of an even simple game, simpler game plan than they did this past week. But you know, if, if Baker Mayfield's on his game and, and Odell is on his game, I know that they haven't clicked to the level that Browns fans were expecting up to this point. But you know, if it happened on Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I um, want to go a little bit big picture here before we get you out of here. Um, you just mentioned it; these teams only play once every four years. And frankly, they've existed in different stratospheres where the Cowboys, whether they're good or bad, they're always out in front of you. The Browns have been so bad. They've been so far off the radar. So we certainly know um, about the Cowboys here. And I certainly think a lot of people in Ohio follow the Cowboys for Zeke Elliott. Right. And, and just for seeing them all the time. Why didn't they resign Dak? And, and where do you think that goes?
1: Yeah, that is, that's a great question. I mean, that dominated our off season and it'll dominate this next off season too. Um, it, it is, it is surprising. I'll just say this. Um, I feel like, especially on Twitter, you just get so many people that just want to blame one side or the other. And I don't want to be the guy down the middle, but there is a lot of blame to go on both sides. I would definitely put more of the blame on the Cowboys not, not having gotten this done yet, but you know, I mean, Dak switched, switched agents a, a few years ago, and and his agent now is is, is Todd France, and he just he's gonna get Dak every last dollar. And a, hey, if you if you're a player, you deserve every last dollar that you can get. And I think the Cowboys might have misplayed it, thinking, you, you know, you're the Cowboys quarterback, you have all these endorsement deals, like this is your dream team. I mean, that's who Dak just grew up loving the Cowboys. Like he'll he'll come down a little bit, he'll take a little bit of a deal. Like you know, we're not gonna have to make him you know absolutely like Russell Wilson at the time money, let alone now the Patrick Mahomes money and, and Deshaun Watson money. But I think that they figured he would cave eventually because you go from that rookie fourth round draft pick money that he made where he was making more money off endorsements than he was off of his right. NFL career to all of a sudden thinking that like, well, Hey, if we just give him something, you know, five year deal, you know, you know, 30, 35 million a year, he was going to take that. And that wasn't the case. And, and the thing that's really hurting them too, is they just keep putting more weapons around him. So it's like, at no point does this look like, as long as he stays healthy, that you're going to be getting any bargain on him. I mean, even if the Cowboys just go, you know, six and 10 or seven and nine or eight and eight this year, like I still see Dak putting up some big numbers enough so that it's not like the Cowboys are just going to be bidding against themselves. You don't want to let this guy go to the open market because somebody will come in there, especially a team that maybe that's the only thing they're missing is a quarterback and they have all the other pieces. And they'll be willing to pay him. So it's a risky proposition. I will say this though, you know, I've been covering the Cowboys now since 2011 and anybody they really want, they get signed. You know, I mean, I grew up in Detroit. That's
0: that's kind of why this is so mysterious. Right,
1: right. I I grew up in Detroit and, you know, following the Lions for most of my life. You know, it's not uncommon to, to think that a star player would sign with another team if given the chance. It's like, you know, the, the Lions don't have that cachet. They don't have that that type of marketability or even the winning, obviously. But, you know, with the Cowboys, they've, you know, when they've really wanted a guy that, I mean, they've paid. I mean, this team alone, you know, they've paid DeMarcus Lawrence and Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins and Jalen Smith and Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, they, they haven't been shy about paying their players. So because of that, inevitably, I see it getting done. And, and they just, you can't sit there and roll the dice on, well, we'll let him go, we'll find another quarterback. I mean, you just look across the league. It's so hard to find a, a really good quarterback. And and they've been ridiculously lucky. To, the last two that they've literally fallen into, Dak late in the fourth round, and then Tony Romo as an undrafted rookie free agent. You cannot bet on the fact that you think you're going to do this a third time in a row. So I, I don't see them letting him go. I know that there's some people like down here that will float out these possibilities that the Cowboys aren't as in love with them as they're saying I have been given no reason on the record off the record conversations to think anything different other than that they absolutely love Dak Prescott and they want him to be the quarterback for his entire career down here
0: well you kind of answered why I was asking I mean sometimes the cool kids say something slick and they say asking for a friend I mean I'm asking for the Browns um <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's just be honest about the Browns situation like they, they've been aggressive They've turned the talent curve. They think they can make the playoffs. They're not going to win the Super Bowl with this team. They think they can make the playoffs, and maybe they're right. And for as much as they would love for Baker to be the guy that they haven't had in 30 years, uh, if he's not, you know, they're going to make that decision relatively soon. And they have maintained the flexibility to go and do that. So I don't expect it to happen. But, you know, over these next... Six, nine, 18 months, John. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Dak, with Matt Ryan, with Aaron Rodgers, right? So, um, it it hangs over everything. And, listen, if the Browns go down there and win on Sunday and Baker plays well, Browns fever will be turned to 500 here and people will be (laughs) making reservations. Um, And and this is the nature of the NFL, right? This is why it's so popular. If the Browns go down there and lose 34-24 to because they – run for 200 yards and Baker can't, you know, throws a pick at the end while they're down four and driving. Right. Um, That's not going to bode well, especially if they end up missing the playoffs by one game. So, you know, there is a lot at stake here. The Browns are not, I guess, you know, any, any winning is not typical of the Browns. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they have a winning record for the first time since 2014 at any time (laughs) since 2014. But like, the winning window, even though this is a first-year GM again, even though this is a first-year coach again, the winning window is open. Uh, They belong on the field with the Cowboys, right? Like, they they belong on the field with a lot of teams. Um, And and we're just kind of waiting to see, you know, how it comes together. Do they actually stick with something for once? And to me, the biggest part of that is do you have your quarterback?
1: Yeah, that's interesting Uh, from that Dak perspective because of the fact that you know, I, I can I see where you're coming from. That team is built to win, no no question about it. And if you don't feel like you have the quarterback, you're definitely going to have to find. I mean, in a way, I feel like that's because the 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 situation this one's compared to with Dak so often is, is Kirk Cousins. Just I mean, the franchise tags they gave him, and then eventually he leaves Washington, and uh, as everyone knows, Washington hasn't been very good ever since. Not that they were really great with him, but they obviously sure. better off than they than they have been. And then he goes to a team in Minnesota who. You know, they had all the other pieces. And so I certainly could see that for Dak. I will say though, um even if they don't get a long-term deal done this offseason, I do think the Cowboys will put the franchise tag on him again. And so he's getting a little over 31 million on the tag this year. I think it goes up to about 38 next year. And I think that they will pay that 38 to keep him. Um so even if it doesn't get done this offseason, I still think Dak is a cowboy the following season. And and then maybe if things got crazy that following season, then maybe they let him go and trying to go another direction. But uh, I, I just I don't think that they let they go in another direction this this upcoming offseason. I think I think that they brought in Mike McCarthy, who obviously been a quarterback guru. Uh, he's worked with some very good quarterbacks, obviously, in his career. And I, I, I think that they think he can take Dak to even another level. So I don't think they would do that off just one year. I think that I think Dak's here at the very minimum, another at least one more after this. But even with that said, I, I still would be stunned even if two, three years from now he's not the Cowboys' core. I just think that it's just such a perfect fit for what they what they want, how they've built this team, the type of leader he is, just the message it would send to the locker room if they didn't bring him back. So uh, it wouldn't be a good situation.
0: Well, Sunday uh, noon, Dallas time, one o'clock. Here in Cleveland, it should be a wild one at Jerry World, Browns and Cowboys. John Machota, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys for listening to Civilized Barking. Uh, we'll be back after Sunday's game with a podcast sometime between Sunday and Monday. We'll have you covered, as always, on the Athletic app and Athletic.com. Talk to you soon.